Hello and welcome to the Consistency Project with E.C. Sinkowski. My name is Patrick Cummings and every week I have the distinct privilege of presenting E.C. with a question about nutrition, fitness, and the choices we can all make to live a healthier, more functional life. By exploring both the principles at play and the actions worth taking as a result, we aim to get you thinking, get you moving, and get you taking more consistent steps toward optimizing your well-being. Thank you so much for tuning in. And how are you doing, EC? Great. Thank you. Awesome. We are going to kind of do, I don't know if it's a its a formal part two, but it's definitely a continuation of our last episode. In our last episode, we broke down... A lot of the reasons why your 10 principles of nutrition are your 10 principles of nutrition. And so for folks who maybe haven't listened to the previous one, probably makes sense to kind of go back, review that, certainly review the the 10 principles. But today we're going to talk about something that you've talked about before, this how to do nutrition or a progression of how to how to do nutrition, right? And so just to give us a slight preview before we kick in, you've posted this on Instagram before, and we'll link to it in the show notes, but you've got a six-step process, basically. The first one being the 800-gram challenge, which we've certainly talked about before, but we'll continue to do today. The second step is something that you've called lazy macros, which is something I've seen you talk about before, but I'm curious about because I have I personally haven't dived into that or what that means. And then steps three and four is to introduce lifestyle factors, sleep and exercise. Step five is macros. And step six is something that you're calling choose your own adventure. So that's fun. So we're going to kind of get through what those each mean, why it's important that you see this or that folks see this as a progression. But where should we start? Am I right to say that this is kind of a continuation of the principles conversation we had last time? Totally. Yeah, the 10 principles are the background, right? The why. Why Why do we have to pay attention to calories? Why do we have to pay attention to the quality of our food? And that's all great to understand this framework. But then ultimately, people are like, okay, great. Now I have all this knowledge, this scientific knowledge. What do mm. I do? Like, now I'm in the kitchen. Like, how do I actually go about doing this? What are the day-to-day choices? <laughs> yeah. And I, I yeah. mentioned this with the principal podcast, but the... The idea is there's lots of ways to skin this nutrition cat, right? Like there's lots of ways to do the how, the day-to-day stuff. And this is my how. This is the way that I recommend for people to implement it. But I do always like to keep stressing that it's just one way. You know, we see people have success Mm -hmm. with paleo. We see people have success with intermittent fasting. So so this is the way that I think people can, can really be successful. Before we get into the progression and curious about how people kind of build out the frameworks that they've built out, Like, how long did it take you to figure out, okay, this is step one and this is step four? Has this been something you've been working on kind of consciously for a while? Or did you just kind of wake up one day and realize, oh, you know what? I've got all these steps. I just need to call them a progression and I've got something. Right. Yeah, I wish it was the latter. but uh, (laughs) Definitely just over years of of trial implementation. And I would say that, and we can get into the steps shortly, but I would say, too, that some of that exercise lifestyle stuff could actually come in and at various parts. It doesn't always have to be steps three and four. Mm. But really, this progression, I would say, you know, I keep using the word codified, but kind of came to be in a formal approach by summer of last year with my one-on-one clients. And it was something I'd kind of been working on with the 800-gram challenge and adding protein and where do macros fit and do macros fit and all of this stuff. But it definitely came after years of experience implementing with myself and with my clients and is now part of the masterclass, kind of the part two. And and really, Mm -hmm. it was it was heavily influenced by my experience as a CrossFit coach and trainer. You know, I think there's Mm -hmm. a ton of carryover there. 
And it's just this idea of like building difficulty as we go, you know, making sure Mm. that especially step one, (laughs) but especially step one, you know, where can I get buy-in? What's something that is something they can do that they're interested and that they can see results, but they can actually do it too, right? So that they're not turned off on on day one. And and then as we go, we up the ante and we make it more difficult and we get more gains as we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is creating a kind of a progression to it where it goes from easier and maybe not harder, but easier to slightly more difficult or slightly more complicated. Is that simply to get some wins early in the process? So the individual feels like, okay, I can do this and I am making progress and maybe this isn't as hard as I thought it was. Yeah, totally. I think that's, I don't want to say more important. Actually, at one of our podcasts with Ben, we had an interesting discussion of, you know, how little can you give them, but still also see results? Because there's a balance there, right? Like you want them to have wins, but you also need to have them have results. So if it's something like just Mm -hmm. drink one glass of water every day, they're going to get a win and they might build some motivation, but they're also not going to see any results. So do they trust you as a nutrition coach or a fitness coach? So there is definitely a balance there of like giving them something that will get that win, but also knowing that they're going to be like, wow, this stuff that you say really does work. And so there's a balance between too Mm. easy and too hard, but I do err on the side of too easy for lack of a better word on that first step, just to make sure I get the ball rolling in the right direction. Got it. Okay. So that first step in this progression is the 800 gram challenge. And we have definitely talked about it, but maybe do a quick recap of what that is. And then why is that the right, I'm going to call it a baby step. Why is that the right baby step for the result that you're hoping people that you yourself want to get to? Yeah. 800 gram challenge, eat 800 grams by weight of fruits and veggies each day. And it's the fruits and veggies of your choice. So it can be all strawberries, all white potato, whatever. And then you continue to eat whatever else you want, your protein choices, your snack choices. So there's no restrictions or eliminations. And yeah, it's my first step because I really do think it is attainable. It's a doable volume in terms of calories and actual food volume. And the person has a ton of flexibility, right? They get to choose if they like bananas or spinach or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say it's a baby step because for some people, there is some difficulty there. And we may, in fact, have to scale Mm -hmm. the 800 gram challenge. But I will say that for people that are already eating whole foods, it definitely is a good first step. They might find, and I see this a lot kind of in the greater CrossFit community, oh, I can do 800 gram challenge. But the challenge really reveals itself on day 25 and day 30 and day 40, because then they're Mm. seeing, oh, wow, this is where I would have kind of gone off the rails, or this is where I would have, you know, had more cheat foods or whatever you want to call them. And so there definitely is a challenge, including for myself, once you look at it across it long term, which is where we care about. So that's the first step. You know, again, I get a lot of buy-in with the sustainability and the choices. But one of the reasons that it's also powerful is because we're addressing quality and then quantities, right? So a person tends to increase their vitamins and minerals and fiber and phytochemicals, they feel better, they have more energy, but they're also eating less calories. So we see a lot of weight loss. So it's this combination of getting results, but also having a habit which people can do that I really like it as a as a first step. You mentioned something that actually I don't think we've talked about this notion of scaling the 800 gram challenge. Can you maybe unpack that what that means? And then maybe how does an individual know Okay, I'm ready for the 800 gram challenge or or whatever, maybe that modified step before the 800 gram challenge. How do you work with somebody to figure out if they're ready to go all in or if they need to kind of move their way into it through maybe another kind of progression? 
If the person is one of those people when you're talking to them about their diets and what they've done and all that stuff, and they're like, oh, yeah, paleo zone, you know, whole 30, no sugar, whatever it is. I'm like, okay, cool. You're starting with the 800 gram challenge. (laughs) If Mm -hmm. the person is like, I don't really like fruits and vegetables, I don't eat any fruits and vegetables, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to scale this. And so it's just it's Mm -hmm. really a matter of getting a sense of how many fruits and vegetables are in their diet already. And even just talking to them too. I, I, I don't think I've said it before on the podcast, but when I think about goals for people, I would like their difficulty, if we were ranking the difficulty on a scale of one to 10, where 10 is the hardest thing ever, to be about a seven. So I kind of want to get that sense mm. in the conversation of like, hey, you know, can we do two cups of fruits and vegetables at each main meal? If they're looking at you, you know, like you're speaking in Arabic, then we're going to back that off <laughs> a little bit. And yep. in fact, I was just DMing with somebody. They are a nutrition coach and They've made some huge wins using 800 gram challenge, but they literally with their clients, because it's a very standard American processed diet client, client population they have, they start with one cup of fruit at breakfast and then they work up from there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's great. That's mm-hmm. huge. That's absolutely amazing. It's just gauging where your, your person is, because again, the person who's coming out of, you know, perfect paleo zone. And if you were to tell them, well, my challenge for you is to eat a cup of strawberries at breakfast, they're going to be like, okay, this coach doesn't, doesn't know anything, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of good coaching or a lot of good coaches are good because they figure out, okay, where is this individual and where can I insert my process or my philosophy at a spot where it makes sense for them, right? And I think that that's that's kind of what I'm hearing. Totally. Okay, 800 gram challenge moves into into this notion of lazy macros. What is that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lazy macros is the name for doing the 800 gram challenge and then also adding a protein target. And the protein target that I put out generally is this 0.7 grams of protein per pound of body weight, and that's from all of the things that you eat in a day. And so you hit your fruits and vegetable target, and then you hit your protein target, and then there still is no restrictions or eliminations. So you're trying to hit these two checkpoints, but we're not saying no wine or no chocolate. You can still have whatever else you want in addition to those two targets. Now, I would even say we could scale that as well, maybe just focus on some protein at every meal kind of for the new beginner. But that's that's the general idea, 800 gram challenge plus protein. And what we're doing here by having a second checkpoint is we're further reducing the foods that we tend to overeat, those processed carbs and fat. Mm -hmm. So if we get enough fruits and veggies and we get enough protein, maybe I'm controlling the processed food level to enough where our quantity is better in line. And I call it lazy because we're not really weighing and measuring everything. You know, I'm not really checking if you're having five ounces of wine or six ounces of wine. I'm not really checking how much ice cream you're having. But by filling up on the good stuff, we're trying to keep some of that other stuff in check. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, you could argue, I've actually had this people ask a bunch, like, why not do this first? I think it is harder. I think protein is harder for people to hit, especially once you look at kind mm-hmm. of logistics and, and food on the go and also what foods we snack on. Like, I don't know if you walk into the kitchen and grab a handful of ground beef. I don't. <laughs> it's harder to kind of accumulate <sighs> through the day. And I also think I get yeah. more bang for my buck with the fruits and veggies, just filling up wise and more variety and more choices. And so this is why I consider it really a step two. A question that I'll probably ask a couple times as we go down these steps, but how long step one and when do you know that, okay, maybe it's time for step two, the lazy macros, like, is there a best practice? Or is it always so personalized that it's hard to give an answer to that? Yeah, I would say at least two weeks. And then the assessment at the end of the two weeks is like, 
is this easy and doable? Is the athlete ready for more, for lack of a better word? Is the client mm. like, okay, cool, yeah, yep. like, this is great, got it, done. And again, it's riding this line of like, I don't want to say losing interest, but you, you do want to strike while the iron's hot. So the person's like jonesing on nutrition and they're doing great and it seems really easy, like give them the next piece, right? But if they're like, ah, oh, man, I'm still like three days a week, I'm not able to do this. Hey, we're not ready to make it more complicated. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I see that a lot and I will probably get to this at some point with this, but yeah, I see people when I starting out with the 800 gram challenge, either with a client or in my master class, and they're already asking about protein selections. And I'm like, whoa, 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 <laughs> you know, prove competency here first. <laughs> We're only on step one. Yeah. yeah. So unsurprisingly, some amount of consistency needs to be demonstrated before either the individual you're working with or you yourself are kind of ready to, to layer on top of that, right? Yeah. I think we should probably track the number of times we say consistency. <laughs> we should we definitely somebody else maybe could do that for us okay so step one 800 gram challenge step two lazy macros moving into what you've kind of grouped together as step three and four which are lifestyle factors unpack that for us what does that mean yeah it's making sure that we've got some level of exercise and then how is our sleep doing i also like stress in there but as you know with the consistency project it's hard to measure so we don't actually i don't track that per se but i'd love people to check in and you know are you highly stressed out how's just general life stress but yeah exercise sleep 800 gram challenge and then protein and these are the factors that i want people to be focused on and that exercise and sleep you know if they do that you know, after the 800 gram challenge and before the protein addition, that's fine. But I, I want these factors in here somewhere because these do have effects on people's weight goals, on their health goals and their performance mm-hmm. goals, which ultimately end up covering 99.9% of goals, right? And yeah, and this, of course, forms the basic basis of the consistency project. And I think once you really dive into these four areas, fruits and veggies, protein target, sleep and exercise, you'll find that it's hard. It's hard to hit them all consistently, you know, and it's really Mm -hmm. easy to start getting distracted by, I don't know what supplement to do. And it's like, oh, shoot, I haven't actually slept more than five hours for the last week. I'm pretty consistent, but like using the leaderboard or the consistency project leaderboard myself, it's like, I'm not perfect at this. So I really want people to look at this stuff before we start worrying about our diet to any more significant degree. Between Sleep and exercise, is there one that you would suggest people focus on and optimize before the other one? Or is it which one could use more work? Yeah. (laughs) And let's focus on that one now. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure people kind of intuitively know, like you're saying, you know, which one do I need more work on for sure? I think based on statistics, exercise seems to be more of an issue than sleep. (laughs) So, and I think there's just so many great things about exercise that don't have to do with weight loss. I mean, just mood, digestive function, stress relief, like learning new skills, just stuff like that, that I think fun, you know, play all that stuff. So I think exercise would be where I would lean. But of course, I'm sure we all know the Mm -hmm. person who, you know, might be working out at like 3am because it's the only time that they can fit it in. It's like, well, maybe you should still be sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. And you talked about stress a little bit. And, and I think it's something that we'll, we'll probably dive into deeper in, in more episodes. But like, how would you recommend, you know, you mentioned this idea of like, I'd love people to make sure they're checking in mm-hmm. with themselves to see where their own stress is and see if it's too high and whatnot. Do you have like a go to way for yourself, maybe, or with other folks that you've worked with to do that kind of check in? Because I think stress is one of those things that until we are aware of it, it kind of just, we just kind of get, it just becomes kind of like a steady state of stress and we don't, we kind of get used to it to some degree. Do you have any good advice for how to check in on yourself to, well, first just see where you're at so that you can at least maybe make some adjustments if you need to. 
Yeah, I wish I had like a scientific way. My <laughs> my sanity check is is probably how you react when you're cut off driving. <laughs> mm, <laughs> Something like that. that or like how do you react with the line at the drugstore wherever you are and there's too many people in line. I think it's those things when yeah. you can really start to be like, "Whoa, okay, I'm I'm on edge," right? And I think that can just be a kind of a quick way, and that's not going to be a perfect way, but versus, I don't know, take some various, you know, measurements in the morning. I think that'll do just, just fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And those of us with young kids, that's also <laughs> probably a good, uh, instead of, instead of the traffic thing, just see how you're reacting to a three-year-old that isn't listening. Right. Um, or dropping also probably food on the floor. In indicator. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. A good indicator. Okay. Steps three and four lifestyle factors. Step five is macros, mm -hmm. which I think. You tell me, I feel like a lot of people just want to go straight there. Mm -hmm. You know, what about macros? And then why is it this deep into the progression? Yeah. Macros, weighing and measuring every single thing that you're eating. And you're trying to hit certain protein, carb, and fat gram targets. And then you observe the effects and you make changes to those numbers to meet your goals. And yeah, I do see people jumping to this. And I probably jumped to this at some point. I don't know. It's a double-edged sword. It's it's remarkably effective. So I don't like to put down people that like want to go for the gold, you know, <laughs> go for it. Right, right. But there's a huge drop-off rate. I mean, when you think about macros and you think about how many people out there are weighing and measuring every single thing they eat every single day and realize it's such a small fragment of the population that there's probably an adherence factor that's really difficult. And it's true. Like, I don't really like doing it myself, you know? So... I don't like jumping straight there. It is more work. And I just find that the adherence, again, drops off very quickly. So maybe we don't have to do it. You know, maybe we can get enough gains with the prior steps that we don't really have to do macros. Now, there are two reasons that I really do like macros. The first is education. It's an irreplaceable education to weigh and measure your food for a period of time, at least four weeks. To And I, I'll tell you that you'll never be confused about dieting again, if you really do it. If you really do it, you're not going to mm. be confused about it. You can stop reading all the biochem. You can stop reading about insulin response. You're going to know nutrition. And so it's just an awesome, awesome education and experience. So that's one reason to do it. Even if you already have the six-pack abs or you already have whatever, I think it's just a great nutrition education. The second is to do it if you don't have the goals you want. And that's why it's sort of step five here. Hey, if we didn't get what we want from 800-gram mm. challenge, if we didn't get what we want from lazy macros, we got to get more exacting with the diet. And I say this with any progression. If you've done keto, if you've done paleo, if you've done intermittent fasting, and you're kind of just sick of this rat race of different diets, it's time to do macros. It's time to get more exacting, take a real audit on the diet, understand what is going on, and then you can really figure out how to make changes. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, to repeat the question before, you know, you kind of just said, like, if you're not satisfied with where the first four steps have gotten you, is that simply a, a question of body composition? What do you recommend folks say, okay, set this up as a, a metric of success or not success? What is that? Like, what is that thing before they make a decision? Okay, I'm ready to go into the specificity of the macros. Yeah, it's really whatever outcome they want. Body composition is always a top one on the list, of course. But yeah, if they're chasing some sort of health marker, if they're chasing some performance goal, those are the things to check in on. You know, you kind of guide the process here based on what you want out of it. And I would say that you need to give the prior steps at least a couple months of really doing it honestly. You know, you can't do the 800 gram challenge for three days over the course of two months and be like, well, I tried it. So I guess I need to do macros. <laughs> that's not, that's not really it. Like you really need to do it day in and day out, check in on the sleep, work hard where you, when you exercise, all of that stuff, hit the protein target before you're just like, I should do macros. And again, it's, 
It's not because you can't be successful with macros. It's just, you know, I take people through this progression all the time. I do this progression myself. It's a high drop-off rate. And and once you drop off, there's there's no more results. So we got to make sure you stay mm. on the train. Okay. Last step. Choose your own <laughs> adventure. What does that mean? And it sounds lovely. <laughs> Choose your own adventure. What were those books? That What's the, what's the name of the books? Yeah, anyway. That's, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're trademarks. So hopefully nobody sues you for it. <laughs> yeah, it's the best step because you get to decide what you need to do. You know, you get to decide if you need to continue to do macros, which some people love because they think they get to now eat whatever they want as long as they keep in the check. They love that system of accountability and checks and balances. Some people will go back to the 800 gram challenge. Some people will just come up with this. Well, if I do all my meal prep earlier in the week, I stay on track and it's fine. You know, and this is where you get to decide what you need to do to get the outcome you want. And for me, it's really about the individual finding what I call their minimum effective dose. You know, what's the least Mm. amount of work, the least amount of work they can put in to get the results they want. Like if you have to do macros to maintain the body composition you want, then that's kind of the trade-off. But maybe you can maintain the body composition you want by, I don't know, focusing on a 10 gram challenge or something like that, that has a little bit Mm -hmm. less Mm -hmm. level of specificity. And so, yeah, I mean, that's what I want people to really figure out is what are the rules that set them up for success? And what have they learned over this progression that allows them to, you know, keep up with those habits? Do you get a sense from from folks you work with, folks you, I know you talk to a lot of folks, when they're kind of at the beginning of this progression, like, okay, I'm going to take nutrition seriously, right? Whatever that means. Do they go so far as to figure out what those specific goals are so that they can actually then measure their progress mm-hmm. against it? Or is there just kind of this bad habit of saying, my nutrition should be mm-hmm. better? And then they start without any real sense of where they're trying to go to. And then how can I measure the effectiveness of this against yeah. it? I would say I probably could do a better job asking people specifically about their goals. But the reason why I don't focus on it as much, which sounds terrible, but hear me out here. I've yet to meet somebody who doesn't have (laughs) weight or health goals or even performance. Mm. But here's the deal is I can argue that by addressing weight and health, I address performance. So it kind of becomes moot. Like if I was working with, let's say, and I'm going to pick a very outlier example, but it's the truth. If I was working with somebody who really needed to gain a ton of mass for football or sumo wrestling or pick something where it's like they got to put on a lot of weight for a very specific role. Okay, we have a different strategy now, right? I just don't work with those people or I haven't worked with those people to any significant degree. You haven't worked with sumo wrestlers? <laughs> but yeah, no, not yet. That hasn't been my genre. I have worked with... <laughs> oh man, that'd be awesome. I only specify... I'm sure there are though, right? Like to put on that type of mask, yeah, totally. it's going to be somebody who's like the guru of like, you know, like how do I get people to do that? I have worked with people that want to put on masks for something like football, but it's not been this like 50 pound gain. Like you'll hear these, you know, these high schoolers that need to put on a ton of weight for a position. And I just haven't really worked with that. So I think it's important mm-hmm. to understand the goals. And I think that really can help with somebody's why and motivation. But at the end of the day, it hasn't drastically affect my progression for them because I can get after weight, health, and even performance goals with this progression. And so it incorporates so many people's goals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious before we start to wrap up, what does your current adventure look like? How have you taken this? What does it actually look like in your life at this point? Yeah. On the lazy macros train, definitely 800 gram challenge is where I'm most consistent. Protein is pretty good. 
most days, but I fall off on that more than the 800 gram challenge. And then once a year, I try to go through macros. I try to do macros Mm. once a year to kind of recheck in, recalibrate. It's something I recommend to people. So I like to do it myself. And it's also like, oh, right. That's what a tablespoon is. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) And again, and I think you mentioned before, but that that's probably a a four week process when you when you do kind of do that check. Yeah, I like to do macros for four weeks. It's tough, but I like to do it because it's just, again, that education, even even for me to check in on stuff and, and recalibrate the eye is always a good learning experience. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. All right. Before we wrap up, anything else about this progression worth mentioning that maybe I didn't ask you about? I don't think so. I think we got it. I did a good job today. That's great. Yes. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for subscribing, leaving reviews and sharing with your friends. And we will be back next episode on the Consistency Project. Hi, all. EC here. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Thank you as well for all the support for the five-star ratings and the reviews and for telling your friends or family about the podcast that really does help the podcast grow. And if you want to get the most recent info from me and be up to date on all of my content, the best place for that is my email list. So you can subscribe at optimizemenutrition.com slash email. I send out emails weekly-ish <laughs> and that's also the best place to get your question in the queue for Quick Bites episodes. So again, that's optimizemenutrition.com slash email and there's also a link in the show notes.